Welcome to the Fortune Management Practice Mastery Podcast. Each episode, we bring you powerful conversations with thought leaders in the dental, veterinary, optometry, and medical industries. At Fortune Management, we coach doctors and teams to have an extraordinary practice and an extraordinary life. I'm Kim McGuire, host of the Practice Mastery Podcast. Today, I am honored to be joined by Dr. Jessica Farrar, a dentist in Las Vegas who has a passion for helping others because of the impact that cancer has had on her own family. During this episode, we discuss the nonprofit that she is starting to help cancer patients afford access to oral health they need and how her practice is integrating medicine and dentistry. We also discuss how Fortune Management helped her and her practice thrive during the COVID-19 pandemic. I really enjoyed this heartfelt conversation, and I think you will too. Now let's get started. This is Kim McGuire, host of the Practice Mastery Podcast, and today I'm very excited because we have a Fortune client joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. Jessica Fahar, who has started a really interesting nonprofit. Welcome, Dr. Jessica. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your journey with fortune management and how that's brought you here? Uh, so we started with fortune in our practice right before COVID hit. Actually, the coaches came to like a Patterson session here in town and I was considering bringing in a consultant to the practice anyways, and started talking to the coaches and we were right about to onboard and March hit and then we were shut down and the coaches were kind enough to say like, Hey, let's just wait until like things settle down and let's see what goes on with, with the pandemic. And I did the like weekly recovery campaign that fortune was putting out and it was so helpful and amazing that I after we reopened, I was like, we have to join these guys. Like they're awesome. They're the only, I felt like you guys were the only reason that I got through the pandemic. So, um, oh, probably thank now, you for that. We, yeah. uh, we're, we were pretty proud of how we were able to really, uh, usher our clients and former clients and future clients through that, that those crazy times. Um, so yes. So then, so then you joined fortune. So I joined fortune. So probably been with the company now, like a year and a half or so. And, uh, love my coaches. They're like godsends really. And so once we joined fortune, it was just like fast forward, everything just like picked back up, um, and was way better than even before when we shut down for the pandemic. And then we started attending some of the F50 meetings and those were just like a whole other ball game. Like I didn't even know what I was getting myself into with F50, but I'm so glad that I went to them. And from the last F50 I went to was in May. And from there, I got the idea of, I want to start a nonprofit to help patients get access to care. And that is kind of where we are going right now. Practice is going well. And I figured this is the next step I want to take. Okay, great. Why don't you tell your story for our listeners about how you got into treating cancer patients with your dentistry? Sure. So after dental school, I did a one-year residency in Texas at Baylor College of Dentistry. And part of our residency training involved us working with a cancer center that was next door. 
clearing the cancer patients prior to their treatment. And during my time in residency, my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I was traveling back and forth because I was doing residency in Texas. My family was in California. And I was seeing on both ends, like what it was like to be a provider for cancer patients and to be a caregiver for patients. At some point, I had to leave my program to begin hospice treatment for my father. And after everything got settled down with my father, um, I came back to my residency program and I was exclusively treating cancer patients based on the recommendation of my program director. Um, I didn't really understand the wisdom he had for having me do that, but I felt like the experience I had with my father uh, made me a much more empathetic provider. And it was great because it helped me develop some protocols on how to treat cancer patients and what unique issues they go through through their treatment. Well, yeah. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what cancer patients or folks going into treatment, what they need from a dental perspective? Sure. So we usually clear them prior to their chemo, radiation, or surgery. Um, and that basically um, means that we get their oral health like pretty much as ideal as possible. The idea is these patients are going to completely lose their immune system when they go through chemo or radiation. And the most likely source of an infection that they're going to develop is going to come from their mouth. Aspiration pneumonia is a big deal for cancer patients. Um, and most aspiration pneumonia in cancer patients, when you do like the sputum cultures, are actually oral flora that end up in the lungs. So um, it's really important that like we intervene prior to their treatment and really review OHI, make sure that care is optimal. When they're going through their cancer care in our practice, we see them monthly, not necessarily to do anything on them, but just to assess and make sure that nothing is cropping up when they're going through chemo and radiation. Uh, you know, they have the normal side effects of like they can get oral mucositis, uh, really bad dry mouth, decay rates, you know, obviously go up um, and just trying to keep them comfortable, make sure that they can eat comfortably so that their nutrition levels stay high so that they don't have to stop their chemo or radiation or, and keep their white counts in a normal range or what would be normal for them. Um, just so that we're not delaying this like life saving treatment because of these other issues. And then of course we still manage them afterwards. The big thing for the aftercare is making sure that any of the medications that were used during their treatment, you know, some of them have caused issues with the bone healing. So, you know, if there's any extractions, making sure that we intervene with those patients prior or that they are well aware of the risks of like osteonecrosis of the jaw. And honestly, a lot of our patients who are in remission, we end up seeing them more frequently than their oncologists just because we are they're usually on like a three month recall. And so like we're taking more radiographs of their head and neck area. The majority of patients we see here are head and neck cancer patients. So, you know, we're just like monitoring them a lot more closely. The healthcare system here is a little bit overburdened and this is uh, kind of just like another check and balance on their healing, making sure that nothing is missed. Wow. It's, it's really wonderful. First off, we are very so sorry about the loss of your father. And it looks like you've really transformed your whole dental practice into giving back. So I think that's just a, a lovely tribute. Tell us a little bit how much of your dental practice is 
treating these folks and how much is a, is a traditional dental practice? I would say about if at all. 20% of our practice is geared towards the cancer and medically complex patients, like exclusively. And then the other 80% is like a, what you would think of a more traditional dental practice, but you would be surprised how many patients come in on our regular side and say like, oh yeah, I'm a breast cancer survivor or a prostate cancer survivor. And mm-hmm. when we talk to them about our cancer side, they're shocked because they they would tell us like, oh, when I started my cancer treatment, my dentist told me to stop coming in. And no, <laughs> we don't want that at all. Interesting. Um, we want to be involved with their healthcare as much as possible. Our practice philosophy is kind of like an integrative care philosophy. So we talk to the ENT who's doing the surgery. We talk to the medical oncologist, the radiation oncologist. We have patient labs. Like we review the labs with the patients. We have regularly have conference calls with a patient's primary care provider, the patient and us about like, Hey, they want to start me on this new bisphosphonate. Like, do you think it's reasonable based on my osteopenia levels? So we're trying to bring a more integrative medical dental approach to our practice. That is so wonderful. And it's, it's too bad that there's so much misinformation out there amongst maybe the, the dental community. So I'm so glad that we're doing this podcast to let people know that our, you know, cancer patients do need that, cl- that dental clearance prior to going into treatment. So tell us a little bit about your nonprofit and what prompted you to start that. Sure. So 20% of our practice is cancer patients who can afford to see us. Um, we get referrals for a lot more patients who are on like state healthcare, which we are not providers for. And I was talking to our primary ENT that we work with the most here in the big, uh, it's actually from the medical school here. And he says like, there's so many patients who need this care that you're doing, but like they can't afford to come see you. And I thought if this was my dad and he couldn't afford to get this care, I wouldn't want him not to get it. And I wanted to create a resource for these patients where they could get this optimum care that they deserve, irrespective of their ability to pay. Absolutely. That's so wonderful. So what is the nonprofit called? It's the Farrar Foundation. So it's my last name, Foundation, and it's named in honor of my dad. Like it's kind of like a memorial for him. That's wonderful. And and we will put all of the links to all the social media in the show notes on our website. Um, Tell us a little bit about, so are you providing the same services to the folks that you come in contact with that can't afford your services? How does it work? Yeah. So the treatment plans will be pretty much same as to what the patients in our practice receive. And actually on a kind of like a tangent with the nonprofit, there are some Uh, like more cutting edge technologies that we would like to integrate into the nonprofit that our practice doesn't currently use. I've been working very closely with Nick Clausen from Laser Mastery, and he's been introducing me to some new laser modalities that I was not very familiar with that can really help cancer patients during their treatment to mitigate the side effects of like oral mucositis in particular. And like a lot of these lasers are specifically developed to treat oral mucositis for patients and to help with like head and neck cancer side effects like trismus and trigger points in the muscles, just to help 
keep those patients much more comfortable and in a much more and kind of return them back to like better uh, function after their reconstruction surgeries. Interesting. Wow. And so um, where are you getting the funding for your nonprofit? So it's primarily through grants and donations. Um, We're in the process of getting our 5013C designation from the IRS. So it will be a like fully charitable foundation. Oh, that's so, that's so wonderful. And then how are people finding out about the foundation that, that are in need? Um, so it's primarily through referral from their, um, oncologist or their surgeon. Um, so it's usually through direct referral. We have actually had some patients, um, we talk about cancer care on our practice website. And so we've had some patients actually find it de novo, like through the practice website as well, but it's primarily through referral. Got it. And so what, what have you found, um, as far as the physicians that you come in contact with, what's their knowledge around utilizing the dental community to help? Um, it has been difficult to get in with the medical community. Um, and when I have talked to other dental providers who do similar care all over the country and honestly, internationally, uh, international has better reception here. There's more of a division because our trainings are done separately, medical and dental. So they don't really see us as part of their care team. Uh, the way we really got in with the medical school is that the primary group that we work with, which is the ENT department, the attending there, the chief attending, he did his uh, residency training at MD Anderson and I did mine at Baylor. And so the Texas healthcare system has a very like standardized way of approaching patients. And so he, when I met him said like, Oh yeah, I'm used to having a dentist on my staff to like clear my patients. And I said, I'm used to being the dentist on staff to clear patients. And so we just naturally uh, formed a relationship and he said, well, my patients really need this care. Like I'm used to doing my care with this involved in. And if you pull up top cancer centers, like Sloan Kettering, um, the Mayo Clinic, you will see that they routinely have dentists clear their patients prior to starting their treatment. So I have lectured to the uh, Nevada Oncology Society to kind of educate our local medical community. It's still, we're still making inroads. Um, There's a big cancer center here in town that I would really like to be able to go talk to them. But, you know, I feel like as we educate more physicians, they'll be more aware of the connection. And then I'm hoping in turn that our nonprofit can eventually train more dental providers so that they're more comfortable treating these patients. A lot of times the reason why dentists tell the patients like don't come in is they're not comfortable treating them. They're, they see these sores in their mouth and they, the patient can't open, they're difficult. And so they say like, I don't want to deal with that. And so my eventual goal would be to be able to train dental providers and show them like, these are the protocols and it's not that hard to treat these patients once you're comfortable doing it. Yes. I think that would be a huge resource. If somebody is in another part of the country, would you, how would you suggest they get that training? And would you suggest that they contact their oncology resources in in the area to become a provider? If you are near a big cancer center, like in a big city too, like Sloan Kettering, Pittsburgh's got a great one. Dallas has a good one. Reaching out to the oncology group, like they will put you in touch with other dentists who are doing that kind of care. I am more than happy to help point people in 
direction to a doctor who is doing this kind of care too. It's funny, we're a small network, but um, there are some very passionate people about this kind of care and they're constantly supporting other providers. Um, there are hygienists out there doing as much as they can within their scope. Um, so there are resources if anyone is interested in doing this kind of care, like I'm happy to help someone find that. Oh, that's wonderful. We will definitely uh, help people contact you. Thank you for being so generous with your time. I think it's really important um, for people in all major metro markets to have a couple of dentists that can treat these folks. And I think what you're talking about too, the connection with the physicians, because they might not even know themselves who to contact. Yeah. I always recommend to other dental providers, if this is treatment you would like to do, reach out to your medical society, reach out to your local oncology group, ask your patient who's their oncologist, call them, talk to them. I have found when I talk to individual physicians, they are way more receptive versus talking to like big groups because they, they care about their patient. They, they have a face to the name and they want the best for that patient, obviously. And, um, reaching out directly to them shows them one, they, they have a resource too, for these patients and they know, okay, well, this is somebody who cares about my patient. I'm, I want to work with them too. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that with your private pay patients in your practice, not with the nonprofit, are they using their regular dental insurance? Are you also billing medical insurance for any of these procedures? So in our practice, we don't do medical billing in the nonprofit. We do. Oh, okay. Interesting. So if a, a individual was utilizing the nonprofit resources, they could bill their medical insurance if they had it. Yeah. And we find that it just helps facilitate for them getting their care covered. Absolutely. Do you see any patients in your, with your nonprofit outside of the Las Vegas area or is it more local? We in general get patients from outside the Las Vegas area anyways, because once you leave Las Vegas, it is a very rural area and there's not a lot of access to care beyond that. So we do get um, kind of like the greater Southern Nevada area coming in for their care. And the big reason why we developed this is a lot of the patients, when they get diagnosed here, have to leave the state to get or feel that they have to leave the state to get care. Um, so a lot of them end up going to UCLA or uh, we have a Mayo branch in Arizona. These patients leave to get their care and then they come back and then they have an emergency and we are not looped in whatsoever into their care. And so when they do have these emergencies, we're kind of blind as to what we can do and how we can manage them because we don't know what's going on in their, in their health. So that was another part of why we wanted to create this nonprofit to really support the medical community here too, to say like, no, you can get great care here. You don't have to leave to get great care. And it's something like 60% of cancer diagnoses in, in Southern Nevada leave the state to get their treatment. And that's not okay. Yeah, I get it. What what a wonderful resource you have created for patients. And, and I'm sure that the physicians are appreciating it as well so that people don't have to go out of state. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about your nonprofit and all the amazing work you're doing? Just know that it's a resource for patients locally. We would like it to eventually become a education source for providers in the medical and dental community eventually. We're still building up to that. But um, 
we would we would be happy to be a resource and help in any way we can, even if patients aren't local, even if they just want more information about the kind of care that they should be receiving from their own local providers, we'd be happy to share that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And again, I will put the links to all of your social media in the show notes. Doctor, at the, at the end of my podcast, I always like to ask, do you have a favorite quote or a favorite book that inspires you? Not by anyone famous. Um, my dad always used to tell me to not do things for the sake of doing them, do them because they bring you joy and they make your heart happy. And, um, doing this nonprofit definitely, um, brings me joy. and makes my heart happy. And, um, I do it to honor him. Well, I get that. That's so wonderful. I can hear it in your voice, your passion for what you do and giving back and in honor of your father. So thank you for who you are for the dental community in your area. Thank you for starting this nonprofit and being such an amazing fortune client. Um, We look forward to supporting you for years, years to come. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to the Practice Mastery Podcast. For more information on Fortune Management and to find an event in your area, please visit fortunemgmt.com.